I want to say that, that they made 12 episodes. 12 total. And, it's 12 total. And had 34 staff. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's so we, many staff. Guys, we made 12 episodes every 10 days. You know, We've and made I, 12 episodes in the last three days. Hello and welcome to episode number 510 of the podcast. I'm your host, Fox McCoy. And I'm your other host, Jamie Golden. The podcast is a show dedicated to the life of idiocy, and we're committed to educating you on the things that entertain do not matter. To find out more about these nuptialistic pursuits, check us out at knoxandjamie.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at the podcast and on Twitter at podcastpod. Thanks for joining us this week as we are going to be deep diving the movie, The Wedding Singer. But before we do that, you guys, 2023 is a magical year because, of course, A, the Barbie movie, and B, the podcast is celebrating 10 years of this delightful idiocy. Since that is a very special birthday, we're now entering our tween years. And what I know about tweens is that they love stuff. We have a very fun, time-sensitive birthday present you can buy for yourself, which is merch. This exclusive t-shirt, embroidered sweatshirt, enamel pin, and sticker pack will only be for pre-sale through Friday, July 7th. Take a gander at these really dope creations at knoxandjamie.com slash live. Also, if you are a BFOTS, there's a 20% off coupon waiting for you in Patreon. Also, when we launched this collection last week, our team accidentally left out some sizes. So now both the t-shirt and the sweatshirt cover a multitude of bodies and preferences. Again, head over to knoxandjamie.com slash live or click the link in the show notes to get your merch today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. All right, Jamie, we are going to talk The Wedding Singer. Uh, I'm really excited for the people to listen to our conversation on The Wedding Singer. Uh, this was a former cinema side piece we did for a Patreon community. Um, I remember this is one of my favorites, and I, I don't remember some of the nuts and bolts of our conversation, but I do remember watching it and being like, that held up. I'm glad that that held up. No, 100%. I think we both really loved it. I think we both, I mean, obviously, I, I remember saying – and believing in my heart that Adam Sandler, this is truly like one of his sweet spot movies. Yeah, yeah. Because it's 
it's a rom-com, but he does have – it has a lot of tenderness in it and a lot mm-hmm. of vulnerability that he plays in a way that feels very familiar to the, my own way of playing That's vulnerability right. yeah. um, and tenderness. And so – and I really – listen, just the, the fact that Glenn's last name is Gulia. That's right. And she's going to be just, Julia Gulia, one of the best <sighs> moments of the movie, And honestly. of course, you know, Drew Marymore is an American treasure, so – you know, Oh, she's in it too. That. So just casually. Stop so. it! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, after you listen to our conversation on The Wedding Singer, stay tuned and you can hear our lights and the Amazon item of the week. And if you want to follow along, I watched this on HBO Max. I did too as well. I, it, look, again, HBO, we've talked about this in a couple of different places. Yeah. From, from my money, if we we're doing a streaming service draft, I think I would oh. take HBO Max first. Round one. Round one. Is not, that right? Not even – yeah, kind of. It is okay. a little bit. But not, not just because – against the interface but just because the content because it's truly if i was doing a draft based solely on the the way the platform works they would be a final final round it would be an undrafted an undrafted thank you now they would have to red shirt onto the team (laughs) exactly right right. okay so the wedding singer is a rom-com it was directed by frank karachi it was written by tim herlihy the film stars adam sandler drew barrymore and Christine Taylor, among others. It is set in the 1980s, 1985, to be specific. A heartbroken wedding singer named Robbie falls in love with a waitress slash bride-to-be whose married name will, of course, leave her as Julia Gulia, which is the best. So would you like to guess this Rotten Tomato score? Okay. <clears throat> the Rotten Tomato score, I'm going to say 71. Oh, my gosh. 69%. Really? So 69% is the critics. 80% is the audience score. Okay. So almost like a perfect – you almost nailed it. Now, the critics' consensus was it's decidedly uneven. I would disagree with that. And surprisingly sappy for an early Adam Sandler comedy. But The Wedding Singer is also sweet, funny, and beguiling. Now, interestingly enough, I looked up – fun fact about Rotten Tomatoes and Adam Sandler – uh, critics generally do not like Adam Sandler. Fair. And 13 of his movies have a rating lower than 10%. Wow. That's a lot of movies that are pretty bad. Yeah. Jack and Jill is one, maybe one of the worst movies I've ever seen. But I think he's a good example of a volume shooter. You yes. Know? No, not all exactly the shots right. are going to be on the bullseye, but if you shoot enough, you'll get close and you'll make a lot of you'll money. You'll eventually get punched drunk love. So <laughs> yeah. like it works. Okay. So the budget for this film was $18 million. It made 100 and $23 million. Jeez. Guys, that's a lot of money in 1980. That's a lot of money now. It's yeah. a lot of money in 1998. That's right. Um, now, here's my fun. This is the weirdest thing about when this movie came out. So this came out Valentine's weekend, um, which is a perfect time for this movie to come out. It opened number two for four weeks. Would you like to guess the movie that it could not overcome for that number one spot? Because oh. the number one movie was the same movie for four weeks straight. Shakespeare in Love? Uh, Titanic. Oh, right. Because Titanic came out that Christmas. Listen, Titanic was number one for 15 weeks. Wow. That'll never happen again. Listen, it was in the theaters from Christmas, which I saw it twice in the same weekend. I remember that because Titanic is the only movie I've I've actually rarely seen a movie more than once in the theater. Mm-hmm. I, I could probably count on one hand. I know I know I could. But Titanic, I saw seven times in wow. the theater because it was in the theaters until the end of May. Of the next year. That is unheard of. Yeah. So, um, but The Wedding Singer was in the top 10 for six weeks. Um, and it was a wildly successful, even, even it's his highest rated comedy that he's ever made. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like it's a nice uh, combo for Titanic. You know, you got this big sweeping oh, yeah. scale movie and then you have this really intimate sweet. I, I know it was described as uneven and sappy. I didn't really find it uneven I didn't, and sappy. I did not I find that at all. I feel like it was very balanced and I would, instead of sappy, I would say sweet. 
I would say it's a sweet movie. I would say yeah. so as well. Yes. Yeah. So this is, yeah, you alluded to, um, uh, you know, I think Frank Karachi, he speaks for himself. We all know his work. We're all well <laughs> right. familiarized with what he's done. So I won't even go there with him. But I think, you know, this is uh, this is a conversation about Adam Sandler. And, and truly, when you look at this movie, I think he's coming off in 96. He's done uh, Billy Madison and he's done Happy Gilmore. And uh, obviously he comes from uh, starring on Saturday Night Live. He was fired pretty unceremoniously from that. And I believe the vibe was like he just wasn't really appealing to people. He wasn't like a commercially appealing persona, which is pretty ironic because right. he really became this very – one of the most commercially appealing actors we have, whether that's through – just inundation with his content or that he actually has that. I do not know. Um, but he, uh, he does Billy Madison in 95. He does Happy Gilmore in 96. And then, uh, he does The Wedding Singer in 1998. And I really think the timing of that, I don't know if that was an intentional choice to do something not quite so broad and silly, but to do something with a little, um, uh, humanity to it. I feel like that was such a genius move because I think it bought him so many more years of getting to do the broad comedy thing right. where if he hadn't, we would have gotten tired. Cause I think we're at the point where we're a little more tired of it now, you know, uncut gems. I think he's been smart about like every now and then he'll do a funny people doing uncut gems and you're like, Oh yeah, I think he's really talented. So then you tolerate some of the weirder stuff that he does. You like tolerate grown ups because yeah. you know, you might get what, funny people. Yeah. Fred Apatow. Like that's such a good movie. That's right. And he's so good in it. So yeah. Yeah. Cause <clears> I think I always thought this was the movie that PTA saw and wanted to use him in Punch Drug Love, Has but it's not—it's not, it's not no? the. It actually, I've I've read interviews to find oh. out what it was. It's Big Daddy, PTA oh. sat in a theater and watched Big Daddy and reached out to Adam Sandler. Actually, through Tom Cruise, reached out to Adam Sandler, and Tom Cruise called Adam Sandler. Was like, I would. My friend Paul is making a movie, um, called Punch Drug Love, and he would like to speak to you about it. Can I put him on the phone? And Adam Sandler was wow. like, because I love Tom Cruise, I did it, and I thought it was just his weird friend Paul. And Paul, Tom Sanderson mentioned that Magnolia was coming out. He should check it out in the theater. So Adam Sandler watched it and he said, I went late and I was on the front row and it was a gigantic screen and it was the most incredible movie I've ever seen. And I, <laughs> I panicked and I told him I'm not going to do your movie because you're too good for me. Um, but because what he, uh, his work in Big Daddy, he decided to do Punch Rock Love. But yeah, but I think it, um, and I think as we go, we'll probably talk a little bit about this. This movie showcases the, uh, I, I think this is, um, a great showcase of his range. And I think in his worser, I don't know, compulsions, he navigates away from this. But I think the right story and the right director can bring out this really interesting humanity into him where, uh, you know, when he got in with Netflix or, or maybe more recently with his friends, I, he seems like in the mode of, I don't take notes really anymore. You right, know, I'm right. not really trying to punch this up. I'm just trying to make a movie. Whereas something like this, I feel like there's some real thoughtfulness in, in what he's doing. Well, and I do think he he made the mistake of, as I, I mean, I obviously love him with Drew Barrymore because I love Drew Barrymore, but I also love... Uh, 50 First Dates sure. so much as a film. But I love them together. And I'm I'm secretly sad that he's gone to Jennifer Aniston yeah. as that. And I don't think they have chemistry. I don't know that Jennifer Aniston has chemistry with anybody, honestly. No. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to ding her. I don't think she needs to have chemistry with anybody. But like even I'm, I think the good girl, Jake Gyllenhaal, she doesn't have chemistry with him. She, I, It's just a weird... It's a weird dynamic with her and people, yeah. and especially someone who looks like Adam Sandler. No offense, Adam Sandler. You know? <laughs> right, right. So for me, for who won the movie, it's a perfect segue into I do think it is Adam Sandler for mm. three reasons. One, I think he is sitting in his sweet spot. Like you said, he can show his range. When he goes from sad to like screaming at people mm -hmm. to really soft and quiet in that club scene, I just love that version of him. And yeah. I think – 
he becomes someone where you go, maybe on paper, you might be like, is he sexy? But then when you see this version of him, you're like, oh, no, I know why you would fall in love with him. Yeah. Like, and he's famously been married decades to the same woman. And I, you see it because it's almost like this is him. Like it, this is a version of him yeah. that you go, oh, I believe that this is who, you're, who you are in real life. I think he's probably the anti-Johnny Depp where he does not need to disappear into character or makeup or roles or whatever. He just is always who he is. Right. You know, and I think you're, he's my uh, win as well. And it's for that same reason. And I think it's – um, there's something about him – it really in all his roles, but specifically in the ones that allow him to be emotional. Um, and it's, he, he's incredibly compelling because I don't think he's very insecure about his masculinity, you know? Like, I think he's very okay and open to and almost, um, I don't know, uh, almost prepared to subvert expectations about being like a male heterosexual lead. And he's okay with being vulnerable, with being sensitive, with being deprecating in a way that is not, I think people can do that in a way that is ultimately self-serving, you know, mm-hmm. trying to serve this larger unified theory about how they're actually like secretly a badass, but like, they're just like nice to puppies because ultimately they want to get you to, I am a badass. Right. But I think Adam Sandler is just okay with, he reminds me when you were talking, I was thinking, is he the one that kind of like the uh, primitive version of like BDE, you know, of just like a really quiet confidence. He is who he is. He's not really caring what you think about him. And like what you see is what you get. And he doesn't need to be seen as like this guy who is bigger or badder or funnier or taller or whatever. It just, it's just like who he no, is. No, I cool. love that concept of him being the primordial BDE. Which is strange to say out loud, to be honest with you. I know, I don't but know you, if it do, works. you do see him as a precursor to Pete Davidson. Yeah. Although yeah. I don't think Pete Davidson is a good actor, but like, uh, not classically, sure. not in the same way that I think actually weirdly Adam Sandler in the right part with the right script and the right director can do really great things. And that's my second reason of my three. The second is that this is such a weird, if, especially if you think about the height of rom-coms at this time, this is a male-led rom-com, yeah. which is so rare. Yeah. You sometimes get equal, like we're going to have, you know, you've got male or you're going to have Sleepless in Seattle, which is a rare mostly male led, Mm -hmm. but it's so rare to have that. And for him to do this, he said in an interview, he said, I wanted to make a romantic comedy that was heavy on the laughs. It was nice to do a movie that was pro marriage and pro love. You got guys who say they don't want to be in love, but those are usually guys who've been hurt before. And I like him showing that like love can be painful and it's not just going to be me being mad. It's going to be me being really genuinely sad and then yeah. my third reason is i do think he's a convincing wedding singer like i truly think so as well you're right because it's like wedding singers are not like you don't go man how did they not end up on broadway yeah. you're just like oh yeah they should absolutely be a wedding singer and they're great at it this is exactly where they should be you know they find yeah. their natural resting place and i think you're right and i think you know going back to what you said about p davidson i, I hadn't put them together necessarily but i think both of them have a weird kind of off speedness to them, you know, which I think makes them very compelling to directors. And I think, you know, I I remember when I, uh, in high school, when uh, we had this one team, we would always play and they would bring out this one pitcher who threw like 90 miles an hour for like six innings. And then they bring this other pitcher in who's like 60 miles an hour. And the the difference of that is jarring, right? Because you're just used to one speed and then you're getting a totally, and I feel like that's what Adam Sandler is, is you're used to Matthew McConaughey and how to lose a guy in 10 days. And then you're not getting that from him at all. And not even from the lead part. You're just not even getting that characterization. And I think it's, uh, it's not just like to put you on your heels. It's just actually like really refreshing. And it's like a really good story. No, I love I it. Uh, now who lost the movie for you? Well, for me, it is every supporting actress 
minus Alexis Arquette. Okay. And and Alexis Arquette is playing a male character. Right. But as a, but she's herself a woman. Sure. Or was a woman. And but I think she's the only one that's doing anything interesting. Everybody else. And so it's not just the actresses in those roles, like the actress playing Linda, the actress playing Holly. It's also what they were given to do. It's sure. just not interesting to me. And so I think it's a it's a weak spot that I will later correct when we recast a role. Oh, good. Um, but also Drew Barrymore, she is a nineties hairdo yeah. in an eighties movie. <laughs> and it was and I get that you wanna be like, Oh no, I'm laid back and cool. Yeah, you have a grunge hairdo and we are in a very indulgent 1985 movie it does not fit with, sure everyone else is going there's a mm. guy who's like straight up flock of seagulls at work yes. okay like you got to match his energy drew that's exactly right and that, I, I think that's interesting um because there's parts of this movie where i'm like i don't know what she's doing you know like at the beginning i'm like she's almost speaking as if she's in ever after to him yes like on the steps i'm like why are you doing that but i think she rallies and like finds the rhythm uh pretty quickly i'm I, i'm gonna say this and this is i feel like this isn't a bad Bad faith, but I I just I wanted to I wanted to leave space to talk about Glenn. So I'm gonna say Glenn <laughs> lost the movie, not because he's bad, because he's so perfect. He's so perfect at being the loser aspect of this movie. You know, he you you want to hate him. There is no part where you're like, actually I identify with him a little bit. Actually I'm rooting for him. He's the anti James Marsden in the notebook. Yes. From Jump Street, you just want him to die painfully from the DeLorean, from like even the introduction where he's like, you can do that girl thing where you say you're happy and actually really sad. <laughs> and like he's talking about the wedding. He's like, it's more important to you anyway. The uh, the five o'clock shadow beard at the engagement party. Oh, yeah. Looking at the butts in the club, like all just everything is pitch perfect and i loved his performance and you and you watch it and you go i know why drew barrymore is with him yeah like yeah you don't question it <laughs> you you go i don't want you to be with him but i get why you are because of the very things you just listed yeah and you're like i get why those are shiny and it makes sense that someone so pretty would end up with someone handsome like that's a miami vice you know don johnson uh equate version there's a there's a he's a spiritual ancestor of sack from wedding crashers you know oh yes but just like less likable but i just i sometimes i like when movies try to humanize characters like that and you want to identify with them sometimes it's nice to go to a movie and be like oh i hate this guy and i'm not ever going to be complicated about that i actually hate glenn the whole time it's yes. amazing yes. really amazing uh low-key mvp for you in this movie well uh, listen i'm gonna tell you my secret uh weak spot in movies is when kids curse mm -hmm. and it is my favorite thing so pd gets a low-key mvp for me first of all for saying let's f some stuff up <laughs> and then for saying linda you're a b and then being dressed as freddy krueger like with no explanation and being like having the glove included yeah it's just perfect i love that i do love that glenn's last name is gulia what an, like and to hold that <laughs> Until the club scene, right? Well, into the third act is just that's that is a show of restraint. Well done. It is, and of course, I would think I would, it would I would be remiss if I did not mention how, of course, uh, awesome the soundtrack oh, really yeah. is. It is oh, stunning. Yeah. So, um, I had I'll go lightning round really, uh, really quick. I liked um the way the guy yells "You suck" at George at the beginning of the movie. It's <laughs> yes. not just "You suck." There's a vibrato and a depth to it. There's a hurt to it, probably a yes. historical pain. It's really good. Um, I like the use. It felt like in in a lot of the wedding scenes they use real extras 
not just like hot off Broadway people who aren't working anymore. Like those are real people in life with like personalities and stories. I, I appreciate that. Um, I like that Robert Smigel made it into it. Uh, yes. he's, he's the voice and the idea. I mean, he has like a, a whole storied history on late night TV, but he's Triumph the Insult Comic Dog, which is one of my favorite characters, one of my fake favorite characters of all time. He's the cook guy. Um, I liked the John Lovitz wedding singer the rivalry there of course john lovitz i've never been a huge fan of him but he's throwing straight heat the, steve buscemi the whole <laughs> the, the the best man speech self-taught no lessons we still say that around our house and then he says a woo and trips on the curb like <laughs> really i love when good. he was like we had prostitutes but we didn't pay <laughs> i just I, I really like what he's doing i like reese uh, i'm sorry not reese uh, drew's white polka dot dress at yes. one point that's yes. really good um i like the premise of the movie and I like the use of weddings. I think uh, weddings are always a, a movie cheat code. It allows you to bring atmosphere, purpose, exposition, context to the story. And it really, um, uses that, utilizes that in a way that doesn't feel cheap. You know, it, it, cause you can, you can siphon in a lot of different situations, a lot of different parties, bar mitzvahs or whatever. And it allows you to see characters in a different way without it feeling like that's what. Oh, it's, and that's such a good point. Cause I didn't think about, I feel like this movie is universal in that sense. Yeah. Whereas something like How to Lose a Guy, yeah. you're like, well, I don't work at an advertising firm and I also don't work at a magazine. Yeah. Is and Frost so, Yourself a good idea? I don't know. I don't work in marketing. Could so I, I wear that yellow dress? No, I could not. And so, but this feels like, oh, I could be any number of players in this movie. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, best scene for you. Oh, let me tell you. When he, Adam Sandler, after Linda dumps him at the altar. Yes. And he is singing Holiday. <laughs> it. I played it twice. I rewound it and did it again. When he threatens to choke a man with his microphone wire. <laughs> calmly. Calmly. Very calmly. <laughs> when he fat shames the wedding guest. Wow. Yeah. Uh, when he tells a whole group of people they'll never find love. And yeah. then does a cover of Love Stinks. It's The whole thing is pitch perfect. It's really good. I Okay. My favorite is I like the window seat callback um where oh, yeah. he explains he hasn't seen the grand canyon and then we get that same scene with uh, uh drew and glenn um but i think my favorite scene is it's the it's really uh first six minutes um and it's the jules robbie meet cute and i like it because it is not quippy and tidy and smooth like he does like a weird riff on the hulk she does this thing about like people need fish to drink and both are like, I don't understand what you're doing. What are you saying? That's weird. And I thought that's actually very relatable versus like two super hot people and super eloquent people being super witty and basically like having sex with their wordplay. I, that's just not my life, you know, but watching them do it, that felt, I don't think that was improvised, but that felt very fluid. Well, you know, it, again, it goes back to, you know, how to lose a guy. They have that. You're exactly right. They have that very sexy, like phrase phrase trading in yeah. the bar where they meet yeah. and they're just back and forth back, back, like you're hot hot i'm hot yeah. like <laughs> and it's so like you're exactly right that would never in a million years happen no but this where i mess up a metaphor right in, in, by a dumpster yeah, yeah that is absolutely i do that happening. on a daily y'all like so i love it. and to be clear i love both i just like oh, this yeah. in this movie i feel like I it really fit the characters yeah. you know um does this movie pass the Bechtel test oh, i feel guys. like it does not but guys, who knows these tests are not going to go well for this movie so <laughs> of course the best Bechtel test was created by Alison Bechtel, which looks at how women are represented in film. It has three rules. The first, it has to have at least two named women in the film. Yes, there are 23 named characters in this cast list. Ten of them are women. 
So almost half. That's pretty good. Um, do two named women talk to each other? Yes. Actually, several times. Drew talks to her mom. She talks to Christine Taylor. Many times women chat. However, none of those pass the third rule, which is do they? Well, let me, I am going to give it a pass. There is a, do they talk about something besides a man? There is one conversation between Drew and her best friend, Holly and Julia, where Holly goes, how was your bottle of rum last night? Okay. Julia says, did I vomit on you? Mm-hmm. Holly says, a little on my shoe, but I was wearing your shoes. And Julia says, good. Okay. Now, it is all about a double date. Yeah. And her getting drunk on a double date. So I think in the spirit of the Bechtel test, it does not pass. But right. But technically, yes, it would pass for those four sentences. Okay. Wow. Wow. Which is okay. sad. By the skin of the teeth. By the skin of the teeth. So, uh, and then the Latif test, which looks at how people of color are represented on film. This was created by Layla and Nadia Latif. Uh, the first question is, are there two named characters of color? Guys, we can end it right there because in 23 named characters, zero are, pe- there's not one named character in the whole film. There is actually one speaking role of a person of color. That is the justice of the peace. And, but he has no name. Um, and the irony of this is this movie is set in Ridgefield, New Jersey. Okay. <laughs> Ridgefield, New Jersey is 36% non-white, which yeah. means one out of every three people you meet in Ridgefield are not white. More than one out of every three. So the fact that there are no people of color in this entire film is stupid it is genuinely stupid i i I was trying to think before you started talking about it i couldn't remember the justice of the peace what scene was that i don't even remember that it doesn't even oh it's just one of the one of the i'm sorry like one of the officiants one of the officiants in the wedding gotcha gotcha sorry 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 just an officiant well because i was thinking even in the extras I couldn't think of anyone. Nobody there, in like the service the, industry at, at the airplanes. Well, at Robbie's wedding on the front row is a black couple. You're right. You're exactly right. <laughs> I did. I do remember them now because I, I thought that's speak. weird. because yeah. they don't get to do it. They don't get to do anything. And, Incredible. And again, we. I, I think it's so important for us to have these conversations because we're not talking about a movie that was made in the 30s. This isn't Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Which actually has a speaking, you know, actually has more representation in sure. it, weirdly. Um, but it, it just, it's silly to have 23 named characters and none of them. And I get that uh, obviously Adam Sandler works a lot with his friends. Sure. But like, we, you don't have any, you don't know anybody. <laughs> like nobody can play this one little thing. Yeah. Like it's silly. And I would argue there are a lot of actors that could have easily been replaced in this. There's yeah. some that you're like, you were the right person. Yeah. Like you said, for, for Glenn, that is the actor who had to play Glenn. Right. But like for other people, there were tons of places where you could have put any, anybody. Yeah. Again, this is one of those relics of uh, representation just was not a big deal for people at this point. And you can definitely see it in the casting of this movie. Um, the titular line test passed very quickly. I, Love to see it. I even thought, repeatedly. Do you, do you think this might be one of the most mentions of a title in a movie? I think so. And it's genius in that respect. It was stunning. Yeah. I was really glad. I would like to submit, um, I, I would like to start doing the save the cat test as well. I'd like to add it to the battery of tests. Okay, let's go. Do you know what the save the cat idea is? No, I want to know. In the theory of screenwriting, I think Blake Snyder, uh, he's like uh, a father of, you know, modern screenwriting or whatever. But what he likes to say is every lead, every, your, your protagonist should have a save the cat moment in like the first 10 minutes of the movie. Okay. Huh. And what that means is he, he qual- calls it something as simple as like sit, literally saving a cat out of a tree. Like helping it come out. That lets you know this is a good person. Okay. So, uh, like think of Aladdin. Uh, Aladdin, what's he do? He, he finally gets that bread, right? Right. He's going to eat it with a boo, but then he sees that kid who's starving. 
and he gives the bread to the kid. Save the cat moment. Okay, that's so that's really good. We're gonna we're gonna see. Does every movie have? Oh, a save I like the cat that. Moment? I'm glad we're adding it. Uh, Adam Sandler, uh, Robbie Hart does because number one, he finesses the best man speech, smooths that over, so we know he's good at his job. Uh, he was the good guy when his friend was like, Drew Barrymore was gonna get it. I'm gonna give it to her. wasn't a creeper. He wasn't saying stuff like that. Right. Uh, he saved the puking kid. You know. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then it, this was post ten minutes. This was like twelve minute mark. But he teaches a grandma how to play the piano for the price of meatballs. So we are just inundated with this is a good person. You're going to enjoy rooting for him. God, I've never thought of that in terms of, but you're so right. Like you never think about how do we communicate to you like who to like and who not to like. Yeah. And I I think we all can recognize how they communicate who you don't like, who the villain is or who the antagonist is. But you're right. You never get, I mean, you're always getting something telling you. Without telling you, yeah, that and I think naturally when you're following someone, you that's like okay, well, I'm rooting for this person, but then you just you push it over by giving them a little, oh, yeah. okay, they literally saved a cat or whatever. So no we'll, we'll start tracking that and see how that goes. This episode is brought to you by our amazing sponsor, Aura Frames. It's Knox here with your annual reminder that Mother's Day is just around the corner this year. Let's think outside the box a little bit, guys. Forget sweaters, candles, or the dreaded bathrobe. They're also predictable and boring. That's why this year I'm recommending you get an Aura Frame. It's the perfect gift to mix things up and give a gift that shows some real thoughtfulness and is guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. We actually have one of these in our house right now, and we absolutely love it. It only takes about two minutes to set up, and it was super easy. Between all the kids, I was a little worried we'd run out of room, but it has free unlimited storage for photos and videos, and you can invite as many people as you want to contribute to the frame. Now that the kids are a little older, we've added them as contributors to the frame, and it's been really fun to see a few of their photos pop up from events they attend without us. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting auraframes.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's Aura, A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code podcast at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big, small ones, whether it's the stress that comes with planning a big event, having to redo the electrical in your entire house unexpectedly, or simply having to go on a picnic lunch when you'd rather be home pantless watching your favorite show. Stress is truly a universal experience that if left unchecked can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest and work through anything that's weighing you down big or small. I've truly noticed such a difference in my stress level since I started therapy years ago, making it a priority and a consistent part of my routine has allowed me to relieve my stress in a very safe environment instead of bottling it all. As someone who has a hard time sitting in my feelings, it's given me the habit of reflection so I can identify and deal with stressors early on before they overwhelm me. BetterHelp is a convenient, flexible, and entirely online, making it easy to stay consistent. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash podcastpod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash podcastpod. So the weather's getting warmer and I'm so excited to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to dresses and tees. I'm so glad that I found Quince because not only can I update my wardrobe for the long haul, but I can do it without spending a fortune. Even penthouse Jamie, she's trying to save her cash dollars in this economy. But y'all know how I value quality and I want to find timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Now, Quince has just restocked their $40 linen wide leg pant, which I am 
super bummed to try. They have such a nice drape to them and they're 100% linen, which means they'll be super breathable. And I'll feel like I'm wearing no pants at all, which is my preference. I'm also loving the look of the organic cotton gauze roll sleeve shirt, which is also $40. Guys, true story. Like, they have great pieces. I am obsessed with the cardigan I have and the sunglasses I have. The Leon sunglasses are dope. Their prices truly cannot be beat. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands because they partner directly with top factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics. They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass that savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pop for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash pop to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pop. All right, picture this. It's finally getting warmer and you're picking up the after work run or a workout, but it's 4 p.m. and you're ready for a little snack to keep you going. What you want is something with clean, wholesome ingredients, but it's hard to find a snack that is great on the go and also fills you up enough to make a difference. Get ready to find out how good healthy snacks can taste with Chomps. We're big fans of Chomps in my house because not only is it so easy and convenient, but it's made with natural ingredients that taste great. Whether I'm prepping for recordings or taking one of the kids to one of their many end-of-year activities, I always have a Chomp stick with me. They're also allergy-friendly, so I never have to worry about one of the kids deciding they want to take it with them. Chomp sticks come in 10 delicious bold flavors, so there's a healthy snack option for everyone or grab a variety pack to satisfy your whole family's taste buds. They're even smaller chomplings for a quick snack for any kids in your life. Right now, Chomps is offering our listeners 20% off your first order and free shipping when you go to chomps.com slash popcast. Go to chomps.com slash popcast to see all the delicious flavors and get 20% off your first order and free shipping. That's C-H-O-M-P-S dot com slash popcast. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Do you have any biggest reaches? In I have movie? several. So okay. the first is that they would practice the wedding kiss and that she would kiss Robbie. That is not going to happen. Sure. No one's going to do. No one's going to be OK with it. Yeah. No friend is going to be like, hey, you should kiss him. I practice. don't know. A sex, a very sexually adventurous uh, character like her. That feels like something she might do. But I agree with you. That was a little. Uh, it was weird. OK. Weird. And then Frank and Rosie, they're supposed to be celebrating their 50th anniversary. The picture on the wall says their wedding is 1948. So, and I get it. This movie was made in 1998. That's oh, not where it's set. Yeah, you're right. So that's an easy, easy miss. When Robbie tells Linda, get out of my Van Halen t-shirt before you jinx the band, <laughs> they break up. They had already broken up. Oh, wow. By, uh, by 85 they had? Yeah, because this movie's in August. Remember, because she's getting married August 5th, August 5th, you're August right, 5th. You're right, you're um, right. And they broke up in April of that year. Oh. Um, and then Julia's wedding date is set for August 5th, um, which she keeps saying is a Sunday. That uh, August fifth, nineteen eighty five, is a Monday. Oh, guys, you can you can look that like, up. Just look up a calendar, you guys. Um, on the way to the airport, the scenery that you see in the background is the desert. We're in New Jersey. Yeah, why is there desert? I didn't and, realize it was so arid, but I'm glad to thank know you, that. Good now. to know. And then all of the exterior shots of the airplane flying, the landing gear is still out. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that is. And then my favorite, when flying to Vegas, Julia says, "I want to see the lights of Vegas from the plane." Right, because she has to switch yeah. seats and all of that. The, it the, it was a daylight flight. You're not, and and you're heading towards a earlier time zone. Oh yeah, yeah you're not going to see the you're not going to see the lights of Vegas on this plane. Okay, <laughs> incredible, right. incredible. Yeah. Um, let's see. I had uh, ro- oh, uh, the, uh, the practice kiss. Beyond it being un- an unrealistic situation, it also was not a good kiss. It was not no. a game changer. There was no reason for music to happen. Drew Barrymore is doing all the work in that situation. Adam Sandler just has his mouth open like a dead fish. <laughs> and I feel like she would have been underwhelmed by that. Yes. Um, uh, at the club, 
I've never been to like a bottle service club situation, but do they serve fries? Can you just like get an order of fries? Oh, I'm sure like you can. They're not going to let you just drink without eating, right? But it feels like they would give you like steampunk artichokes that have been flash fried or something. Oh, you do not. I don't think you want an artichoke or a uh, – What's the thing that is always served that it's like, oh, my gosh, they have roasted Brussels sprouts? Oh, no, no, no. You do no, not no, want no. a veggie when you're going to be making out with people. Of course, if you drink enough Belvedere, maybe you won't notice. Yeah, you stop smelling stuff and like all That's the, true. And the, the discretion goes out the window. But it feels like all the nice places that we've been to like nowadays that is like drinking centric, you know, yes. it's always like here's the cocktail menu and then here are some terrible appetizers yeah. that are going to make you want to have a meal after this. Situation. Here's a deconstructed fry no. that is just one fry that's open with a, <laughs> with a, with seasoning in the middle of it. That's yeah, right. No. That's yeah. right. Uh, did you notice Jules was drinking a, uh, Heineken tall boy? What was at that the table? about? What? <laughs> what? There's no way. That's a rough drink. That's a hit or miss drink and a tall boy. I don't know about that, Jules. That was, that was, a, she says rum later. So I don't know if she was mixing, mixing drinks or, uh, or what. I hope not. Uh, Robbie's sister married to, I don't know what his name is. I just feel like I'm, that's, that's what I'm going to recast here in a minute, but I just feel like that there's not a lot of chemistry there, you know? Oh, yeah. So, uh, Kate, like Kate Hart is married. And why is she doing like exotic dances for that guy? I just have a lot of questions about no, that that's relationship. Fair. That's fair. Uh, any favorite quotes from this movie? Okay, well, it is. It goes back to the kiss because I do love when they're like, "You don't want porno tongue, you want church tongue," <laughs> and I knew what that was. Yeah, organically because I watched The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. Yeah, and we get a lot of porno tongue. Yeah, on that show, and yeah. I I do like a church tongue moment. It is a good moment. We uh, my one of my older cousins got married. Uh, I think this was before Ashley and I were married, and she went with me, and we got porno tongue there. No, at the wedding in a and, church. Were you in, in a church? In a church, and Ashley gasped like it was odd. It was just like, <gasps> like because we were just all a little stunned because we saw tongue extend and tongue enter. No, yeah. So you I was can't like, see the tongue enter and no, that's not true. Yeah, you tongue. can because we did, and it oh, happened. Yikes! <laughs> I my favorite quote was um, it it, it is at the club. And Jules says, Glenn's in junk bonds. And he says, Jules, they're high yield. Do I tell people you're in junk waitressing? And the noise she makes, <laughs> it, I don't know if that was improvised, but she's just like, <laughs> it's so good. I love Drew Barrymore for that moment. Like, alone. oh, good, good. Uh, recast one role and why. It is Christine Taylor. Okay. I'm going to lose her, the wow, best friend. Really? I know. And it's not that even that I don't like her, but I would like to put somebody. I, I just need somebody who's darker than okay. any of these blonde So just women. a little diversity here. I just want some diversity. And so I went and looked. This is how I do it. I go and look and see who is the same age as Christine Taylor yeah. who can be in this role. And I have – I'm going to let you choose. Okay. I have four options for you. Okay? Renee Goldsberry, who I actually think is a great choice. Oh, I like her a lot. Okay. Jennifer Esposito, which – remember Ooh. when Jennifer Esposito was everything? Yeah, I like her too. Okay. Jada Pinkett Smith. Okay. I like a saucy, like spicy. And then because Richfield, New Jersey, it's primary, like it's white and then it's Asian American. Like, oh, I didn't know it, that. Yes. And so I am going to put a young Sandra O. Oh. Okay. I don't know that she's sexual enough for that. No, she doesn't read initially sexual. I feel like Jennifer Esposito reads too sexual. Okay. So, so I you... would like to go with uh, the original Angelica. Okay. Hamilton. Renee Goldsberry, it yeah. is. Yes. No, I think that's a I good think choice. that's a great choice. Okay. What about uh, you? So I'm going to recast, uh, as I mentioned, I just feel like the 
sexual chemistry between Adam Sandler's sister and brother-in-law. It's just, he looks like, it, honestly, it was confusing because at first I was like, who is this woman to him? And then I realized it was sister, but then her husband feels like their father. So it's just very oh, yeah. confusing because I think he literally is um, 12 years older than her, like in real life. Oh, no. And there's no really good reason for that. He doesn't play like a pivotal part. He's not a name. He's not drawing anything. So uh, I would like to instead, I thought, let's go, because I think this is, uh, you, you see two of the guys, I cannot remember their names, uh, but they're always in the Adam Taylor movies, you know, before Rob Schneider. It's these two dudes. Oh, yes. Um, uh, and I would like to... Uh, we can go ahead and escalate him inviting his friends into this, these movie situations. So I would like to recast that role of his brother-in-law as either Phil Hartman or Chris Farley. Chris Farley probably is a little bit too of a wild card and he would have, this would have been the last thing he did before he uh, passed away. Um, but I really like Phil Hartman. Oh, I love Phil Hartman. Yeah. I feel like he just he, doesn't get enough run. He plays a boring husband perfectly. Yeah. Who's quietly sexualized yes. but uh in a way that is unsurprising but kind of explainable no know? yes no that's a perfect casting uh do you have any fun facts for this movie okay so some fun facts we already said that this uh script was written by tim hurley but it was doctored um which is very common in hollywood you pay writers to come in and they doctor a script they don't get credit on it but they punch it up they add jokes they they don't really change the plot of the script but they will add in some zingers and the two people who doctored the script were judd apatow one of his first script doctoring, and Carrie freaking Fisher. I've heard she has a lot of script doctoring Listen, in her history. She doctored Sister Act and really? she doctored Last Action Hero. Oh my gosh, I didn't know crazy? that. Crazy. Okay, there are no sex scenes in this uh, movie. And uh, <laughs> this is what Adam Sandler asked when he was asked by Conan O'Brien, why are there no sex scenes in this film? And he said, well, the main reason for not having a sex scene is I'm not good at sex. <laughs> I started when I was pretty young and I was always like, you'll get better. And I got older and it's still not good. <laughs> so I like that. Amazing. Um, I know. And then Drew Barrymore famously was cast in this because she aggressively went after Adam Sandler. She told Howard Stern she wanted to work with Adam Sandler because, quote, I thought I want to be a modern, weird, Hepburn, Tracy, old Hollywood couple, and he felt like the perfect fit. And I think she was dead on with that. I think she was dead on with that. Okay. And then the woman, the rapping granny, who is fantastic, by the way, um, Ellen Albertini Dow, she was 84 when she did this role where she raps. She lived to be 101. I just thought that was a fun fact. And when they came to her and they said, we want you to rap, she was like, what's rap? And they were like, oh, we'll teach you. And she was like, I love music. I love to dance. And so when I'm rap, like I'm practicing in the, you know, in the rehearsal, they were like, oh, just do whatever you just did right then. Just repeat that yeah. because she was so good at it. And so oh and then this movie is often it's given credit for being a friend's guest star uh, factory because mm. obviously Christine Taylor, who plays Holly, she was Ross's girlfriend, Bonnie, on the sitcom. Remember, she's the one that shaved her head at the beach house. Yes. Uh, which is so, she is fantastic in that, by the way. Um, and then the. uh Julia's mom is played by Christina Pickles, who was famously Ross and Monica's mother, Judy yeah, Geller. Right. Um, and then uh, John Levitz obviously was on Friends. He was actually on twice on Friends. He was a pot smoking restaurant owner who turns up high at Monica's apartment. <laughs> and then he's a deadbeat with whom Rachel is set up on a blind date. And then finally, the girl who uh, jilts Robbie at the altar, Linda, yeah. uh, she was the woman from the copy store who Ross cheated on Rachel with during the infamous break. I didn't know that. Isn't that crazy? I didn't even recognize her. I didn't even recognize her. And then my final fun fact, this film was later adapted into a stage musical 
um, called The Wedding Singer. It debuted on Broadway in April 2006. It earned five Tony Award nominations and eight Drama Desk Award nominations. Good for them. Good for them. Listen, I would love to see some kind of reboot or extended Wedding Singer universe where I, I, I feel like there's a lot of Anchorman possibilities of like rival wedding singers, you know, or uh, yes. all the wedding singers are brought in like the Avengers to like beat somebody or something. I just I the Steve Buscemi, John Lovitz. I just want the larger universe of wedding singers. No, I, would I, like I, to I was see. captivated. By and it. then suddenly like. Uh, they're all sudden, I, there's some version of this where they're all competitors, but then they realize they're actually competing against a bigger exactly like, enemy. The and Thanos that enemy, of wedding singers and the yeah. Thanos of wedding singers is of course. Uh, what if it's uh, Billy Leslie Idol? Jr. No, and he Leslie wants to Odom get Jr. into the wedding singing game. You know, who is it? I don't know. I don't know that I like Billy Idol. Can we talk about the Billy Idol part of it? Because we, you know, it's a, it's a big part. It's a I'm a big fan of cameo. A person cameoing as themselves, you know? Yes. I love that. I feel like he's really good in this. Well, and he said, I did read, I didn't include this in the fun facts, but he did say the reason he did this, they approached him because they wanted a, an iconic 80s singer yes. to be on the plane who could sing like on the, on the, in the moment. And didn't look like hot trash, like by that point in life. <laughs> exactly. That's t- and that's a tough, that's that a lot was... of, that's a lot of calculus yeah. you have to get through. Um, but he did it because his teenage, uh, son was such a huge fan of Adam Sandler. Really? So that's why he said yes. Cause he said, I knew it would make my son think I was really cool. Incredible. Incredible. What a nice addition. Um, okay. Uh, grade the movie, Jamie. I'm going to give it, I, I thought it was lovely. It, it taps into, of course, I'm the age where 80s nostalgia is just a delight. I love the soundtrack. I love the supporting cast. There are weaknesses, obviously, in it uh, just from looking back. You know, and I don't, try not to discredit it too much for that. Yeah. But I, I would, I'm going to give it an 85. I liked watching it. I thought it was great. I did not get distracted while watching it. Yeah, yeah. There was um, – I, I, I thought there – were some dated moments of like, oh, that's really mean. There were a lot of mental health jokes that yeah. I felt like we had maybe too, too many, you know? Yeah. And I know, I know that's just, you know, unfortunately that's kind of, that was the climate of the times and that's how we talked and thought about things critically. Um, so I won't hold that too much against them, but, um, I, I, like we said at the top, I feel like you're kind of really delivered again, degree of difficulty. What are you trying to do? And how did you do it? How did you do at accomplishing that? I feel like it did a really good job. So yeah. I'm going to go 81%. I really enjoyed okay. this. I really uh, enjoyed the experience. So um, hopefully listeners uh, either were able to watch it in advance or um, we'll watch it after listening to this and they will uh, agree with us. This episode is brought to you by Pear Eyewear. I just love a reason to celebrate a niche pop culture themed holiday, don't you? Whether it's April 25th, known as the perfect date, when all you need is a light jacket. If you know you know, or better yet, May the 4th. I'll gladly go all in. I was trying to think of a fun way to decorate R2 Dusty in honor of this most holy day of the year. And then I found out that Pear Eyewear just launched a Star Wars themed collection. Now I think I might have to celebrate by getting some new top frames for me instead, because the force is just that strong in their newly launched Star Wars collection. You guys, I'm not even joking. These frames are so adorable. And when I saw that they had a Grogu gradient, I could not contain my excitement. They have 21 unique designs that are all perfectly niche in the most delightful way. Their interpretations of familiar Star Wars icons are like fun Easter eggs that you can easily snap onto your favorite glasses whenever you're in the mood for a change. I love that their frames are so affordable at just $25 and that changing them is so easy. Hearing that little snap when you change out your frames, so satisfying. From legendary battles to formidable icons, these epic designs are for true fans. And whether you side with the Rebels, the Dark Side, or the Mandalorian, Pair Eyewear has got you covered. One pair, infinite possibilities. Go to PairEyewear.com and use code POP 
for 15% off your first pair and support the show by mentioning that the podcast sent you in your post-checkout survey. That's P-A-I-R-I-Wear.com, code POP. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. All right, Jamie. <laughs> It's so weird coming into like the lights cold because I'm always like, do I tell her or do I ask her if she about the lights? Do like, you really what, wonder what about it? Like, what is it? A you can tell all, me. It's all rhythm based because as soon oh, as I'm true. done with the episode, I'm like, I know exactly what I'm going into now. But if I'm just dropped into it, I'm like, Jamie, it's time to do some lights. But that's not it. It's a question. <laughs> okay, it's yes, so unmooring. Me. Okay, I want sure. to answer your question. So go ahead. Of course, of course. All right, all right, Jamie, you want to do some lights? <gasps> Let's do some lights. What is your red light this week? Okay, look, it's time. I, I know I've gone on the record before about being pet apocalypse friendly. Mm-hmm. If you're not, re- if you're not, if you don't remember, I do believe that pets are just not what the Lord Josh Christ has for me. Right. However, if you own pets and love them, I will not yuck your yum. You have Luna and Bruce, and you love them, and I want That's you right. to love them. Okay. However. Yeah. I want to finally address the seasonal elephant in the room, which is your dog inside the restaurant that I'm also at. Okay. Okay. Big fur baby parent energy, I feel like, has convinced restaurants that they must allow all your dogs to sit at four top while you eat wings and drink happy hour Long Island iced teas. And please let me be clear. I'm only talking about unemployed dogs. Okay. If your Mm -hmm. dog has a job and 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 a vest... And a a tag that's talking about supporting you emotionally or in any other way, absolutely, your dog should be there. Okay, okay. Can can I just push back on you, though? Oh, are you going to come for the people who have emotional support dogs? Let's go. Let's have it. I'm not. I'm just saying some of you are lying. Okay? And that's okay. (laughs) Some of you need them. Got it. Some of you are dirty liars. Some of you are dirty liars. Because I see, listen, I do watch the TikToks where literally the dog comes up and knows its owner's blood Blood sugar is dropping. Perfect. And I Great. love that. You need love to that. be in that Chili's with me. Okay. Yeah. But your puggle uh-huh. has to stay on the patio. Okay. <laughs> We've allowed this chaos for too long. Red light to your stay at home labradoodle sniffing my ankles inside of Applebee's. Okay. I'm not having it anymore. You're not bringing that dog in here. Why is that seven foot dog 
in there while I'm trying to get my baby back wings. You know, I'm okay I mean? if a Great Dane's just rolling around. I do love Great Danes. One of my favorite memories from high school is we had like um, dogs who lived on campus. They would just rove in and out of classrooms, and I love that. But I think maybe we could solve this. Like I remember, you know, I'm still, uh, I guess, old enough where we had smoking sections in our right. O'Charlies, you yes. know, <laughs> and I don't know what they've done, but why don't we have like a, like a, a pet section and the, the, the hostess will be like, would you like to dine in the pet section or in the regular section? And then you get to choose and you don't have to like interact with these animals that you didn't ask to interact with. See, but here's the problem. The pet section, uh, in terms of the health department needs to be as far away from the kitchen as possible. But That's I also, fair. but I also don't want to sit by the kitchen door just because yeah. I didn't bring a dog into this place. Just, you just don't need again, patio, patio, patio. Yeah. Not Listen, inside. I, I love dogs just like I, – I love dogs. I love pets. I love animals. But, like, there need to be boundaries, okay? I don't want to – I want to leave them at home and I want to go have a meal. I don't want – like, it doesn't always have to be together with everybody. It's insane. Right. That's right. Okay. What's your red light? My red light is um, uh, Prince Harry and uh, <laughs> Meghan just because – Just as I, people? I, no, well, kind <laughs> of, I guess. But just I, – I, I fly in from time to time. Um, only when they intersect with like my personal interests, which is very rare for them. Right. Sure. But, um, and, and I think we've talked about this before, but they're, um, I, I think what I've realized, I, I think in this moment, I'm realizing this, I'm going to talk this out loud. I'm realizing that I'm very protective and stingy about the podcasting space. And I feel like we've worked really hard to establish a foothold here. And I know so many other creators who have worked so hard to establish their footholds. Yes. So when these people, these yes. fancy, yes. famous, well-to-do, you know, monocle-wearing top hat celebrities come in <laughs> right. and parachute and they take more money than I'll ever probably see in my life and they make 12 total episodes, which is what Archwell Audio did um, before Spotify and Archwell deci- mutually decided Mutually agreed that to part ways. That's the interesting ways. thing because one headline will be like, because the early headlines were like, uh, Megan and uh, Harry have so decided not to renew their deal. And then it was mm-hmm. like, Spotify was like, no, we didn't renew the deal. We didn't yeah. do it. Well, you know, I, I, again, I don't, I wasn't uh, uh, on the inner circle of like how that sure. happened, but just as a very small business owner, for me, if I'm paying someone 11 to $12 billion and they give me 12 pieces of content that are not very monetizable, that's something I'm not going to want to renew. But kudos to Prince Harry and Meghan to be like, yeah, we know actually we were creatively constrained. That's why we didn't make more. (laughs) It's, it's absurd. And I just, it's good on them for getting that money because I would have taken that deal too, but ah, it's just, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, you know? No, it does. And I think I want to say that they made 12 episodes. 12 total. It's 12 total. And had 34 staff. Oh my God. What? <laughs> so we, many staff. Guys, we made 12 episodes every 10 days. You know, we've made I, 12 episodes in the last three days. I, I feel like it, you know? It does feel like it. My favorite part of the news cycle last week, because this past weekend was the Trooping of the Color, I would like you to guess in the royal family and, and the firm, what would you think the Trooping of the Color is about? I don't know what uh, no, trooping, not as trooping a verb of the color. Trooping the color. It's a royal tradition. It goes back um, to the 17th century. What do you think trooping the color means? Okay. Um, can I get a spelling of trooping? Is trooping it, is T R O O P I N G. And color is, of course, C O L O U R. 
Oh, see, I would have, I, I was going uh, Sarah Bessie style with trooping, and I was going to throw a U in there, and I oh, was going to no. make it like something interesting. But you actually went the other way. I, I, I'm going to say like, like just parading like your your sick family colors around. Just okay, so everybody knows. it's almost right. That's almost okay. exactly right. Okay. It's actually how they celebrate the monarch's birthday. And yeah. it happens in June. They do not give an F when you were born because <laughs> it's going to happen in June. Because Prince, uh, King Charles, his birthday is in November. What? So, like, it's is this June. where all those dudes like passed out because they got so hot? Yes. So they're pra- yeah, they're practicing. Yeah, because it's so hot in Britain. That's why you shouldn't have the freaking thing in June because yeah. it's 80 or it's 30 degrees Celsius. No, in- don't do that. I'm never <laughs> – 30 degrees is cold, and that's always going right. to be cold to me. But here's my best, my favorite thing. The headlines have been uh, King Charles versus Meghan Markle. Uh, suits drops on the day of Trooping the Color because <laughs> all, all the seasons of Suits are coming to Netflix on June 17th. <laughs> can't wait i can't wait to watch that unbelievable and, and let me be honest i would rather watch suits and and let me say this i would never want to watch suits but i would rather watch suits than watch king charles on a horse anytime do you know what i mean yeah unless yeah. he's and gonna we, fall off of it that's the only time i'm interested i don't want him to I, die i just want him to fall off of it yeah i mean i'm equal opportunity i want to see anybody fall off a horse and not yeah, die that's funny sure. no, you know what i mean like i would like if i say i want to see king, uh, king charles get kicked in the balls it's not anything personal about him. I just like, I enjoy seeing that. That's just a fun thing. It's just thing a good time. It's just a know? good time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. What is your green light this week? Okay. So my green light is a book. Listen, if your summer is calling for a beach read with less sexual tension and more, did that elderly mar- lady murder her whole family? <laughs> then I have the book for you. It is Riley Sager's new book, The Only One Left. Now in this book, Riley Sager, you and I are both fans of him as a writer. Mm-hmm. He writes kind of horror. I would call it horror light. Mm-hmm. But sometimes he can get pretty gory, but oh, yeah. hard light, thriller, like very tense. This story moves between two timelines. The first is 1929, where the entire Hope family was murdered in their main cliffside mansion, except for lone survivor 17-year-old Lenora. Now, did she do it? Maybe. Could the cops prove it? No, they could not. So then our second timeline finds us in 1983, where a home health nurse named Kit is replacing Lenora's previous nurse, who just disappeared in the night. Mm. Okay. Lenora, who is now bound to a wheelchair, but she's ready to talk about what happened to her family. Now, that's where Sager, this is where I love it. Sager amps up the tension because, yeah, Lenora's going to talk, but the problem is she has been rendered mute by a series of strokes, so she can only communicate via typewriter. What? Holy moly. Listen, there's even a rhyme because it's kind of a Lizzie Borden-esque type book. And so there's even a rhyme in the book that he wrote of like, stabbed her father with a knife, took her mother's happy life. It wasn't me, Lenora said, but she's the only one not dead. What? <laughs> why don't Why don't they give her an iPad? Why does it have to be a typewriter? It's 1983, Knox. Oh, bro, I forgot about that. Okay. I know. So invented. Yep. here's the thing I love about Sager. Sager writes in a way that my ADHD surviving heart loves as a reader, which is a brutal breakneck pace. Things mm. are happening constantly. This one was almost worthy of putting in the freezer when it got pretty intense. I was like, <laughs> I got to watch Parks and Rec. I can't. And it was excellent. So I think this is one of those books. If you like a little tension, you're just like, I want to feel a little like squeeze in the back, like the lower back of like, is someone trying to stab me? Then this book is for you. Okay. Okay. I'm taking it to the, uh, uh, on a, on a trip coming up, uh, here in a couple of days. So I'm excited to read that, uh, based off that review. Um, my green light, I've got two green lights this week. Uh, first one, it's a green light, also dad light. Um, uh, it's across the, uh, Spider-Verse. Um, so I'm sorry, Spider Man colon cross Spider Verse. It's uh, it's excellent. It's super well done. It's um, you know, uh, if you haven't seen the original, I would really recommend. 
I, you don't need to see the original. The original is just, I think it's one of those movies where it um, represents the inflection point of like, there's animation, there's superhero storytelling, and there's like all this really thoughtful creativity. And it's the infusion of all those things. Uh, this across Spider-Verse, the, the second installment in what I'm assuming is going to be the trilogy uh, is just even more of that. It's um, Kent Powers, Justin K. Thompson and Joaquin Dos Santos uh, directed uh, It's So it needed three directors that tells you how difficult this movie was. It's visually stunning. Yeah. Like you'll go, you can go watch, um, I don't know, like the good dinosaur or something. And it's just a dinosaur <laughs> and like lightning bugs. And I like that movie. This is visually a very different situation happening. Uh, it's written by Lord Miller and uh, Dave Callahan. Um, and it is, uh, I won't go down like the cast list, but it's starring every interesting uh, actor or actress oh. like working today. It's all so of them. unbelievable. All of them. And the way they just navigate the storytelling. Um, I, I took, so my son and I had seen the original one and I took, my son and my girls last night, we had to get out of the house. Ashley had a book club party. So I took them to see that. The girls had not seen the original. No issue. They still kept up Aww. and loved it. We're super engaged with it. Um, but it's just, man, like I, it's hard in a, in a, in a podcast, uh, medium to convey how visually stunning and creative, outrageously creative this movie is, but it is unbelievable the way you know, do it. I watched it and I will say this. It, it's, it is phenomenal and i'm not even i'm a i'm not an animation fan for mm -hmm. the most part and i'm really not even a like spitterman like fan yeah you know i'm, I'm super not i right. really tend to not like it at all and listen the number of easter eggs in this film i just kept going what wait what wait what yeah. and then i saw kent powers on tiktok and he was talking about there and this isn't a spoiler there's a scene that is lego influenced uh -huh, that's right and he said that in when the first Spider-Verse came out that someone on youtube recreated the trailer from legos huh. and so he reached out to them and he said hey this was so phenomenal this is so great we're actually thinking about doing something like this in the next film would you like to be part of it? he's like okay i'll ask my mom 14 <laughs> years old 14 years old oh my and gosh. so that sequence is done by him he did it the 14 year old that's did unbelievable that it's a, it was a, a fan favorite uh in our theater so oh, i bet uh, really oh it's well so done. good yeah yeah uh so that's the that's the movie uh the other one is a book um it is called bad summer people uh this is by emma rosenblum um and uh, again i always like to read um beach or summer centric books in the summer or when I'm at the beach. So uh, this is one I read recently when we were uh, in South Carolina. Uh, but this is one of those, it's kind of, um, it's, it's, it's again in the, the genre of wealthy dysfunction, um, but it follows two main characters. Well, it follows a, like a centrality of characters, almost like a group of people um, who all um, belong, uh, live in New York, but kind of belong to this Fire Island community where they summer and they play tennis and they cheat on their spouses and they drink a lot <laughs> and they resent and regret things. Um, kids are there too, but there's a tennis pro who's super hot, but it's just every chapter is a different perspective. I do really love that format. Um, this is not, you know, this is not Hemingway, um, but it's very uh, propulsive, um, breezy in the way that wealthy people being terrible can be sometimes like when you're consuming that content. Um, but I liked how it set up the rising action, the mystery of the, of the book, and then how it kind of resolved it, uh, in a way that, you know, didn't neatly tie up anything, but, uh, ask some questions that made you, uh, feel bad about yourself, but also recognize the truth, uh, in them. So I, I highly recommend this. One. Well, I'm so excited you did that. Cause I put this in my TBR pile because it got a starred, uh, uh, Kirkus review. Really? And the reviewer said if white Lotus was a book, 
That's exactly that's a great way. So everything I just said, forget it and just sorry. Why this was a book? No, that's better. That's that's briefer and and more clear. Um, so that's the best way to uh kind of explain it. So I love uh, that. Really well done. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. And remember, anytime you do shopping on Amazon, make sure you go to Amazon.com slash shop slash the podcast first. Say so your purchases use our affiliate link. If you're adding using that link this week was. Jamie, this is a pregnancy pillow. You know how me and Jason Waterfalls feel about pregnancy pillows. We See, love them. He had to explain this to me because I was <laughs> casually listening to both of you, and I thought it was um, almost like a donut or a bagel, it, like a oh. it, or like a like a ch- I call it like a chubby hula hoop, and then you just like descend into it and then sleep. And I was like, that just does not seem comfortable. But now, because whoever bought this, I, I got to see the visual. Um, it's like a like an N where the pillow at the top and on the sides. That's amazing to me. No, it is amazing, guys. It does not, you do not need to be pregnant to love a pregnancy (laughs) pillow, okay? This pregnancy pillow has 1,300 global ratings, 4.4 stars. I will say there was, I wanted to see, like, what? Do people like it? Do people not like it? So one reviewer, JSH2U, gave it one star, and the title of the review was Too Hot to Sleep, and then said, I had to return this. I kept waking up feeling like my head was surrounded by nuclear fuel rods. What? So hot. JSH, you you got a medical condition. I don't like, think the this, pillow did that. The pillow did not do that to you. This pillow does not make... Guys, I do not want to sleep hot. I like, Listen, I, I'm going through some things, and I mm-hmm. do not want to sleep hot. I'm not going to sleep hot. I love my pregnancy pillow, so I highly recommend this. All right. Yeah. You guys, do not forget... Do not miss out on our 10 years merch. It's not just live show. It's about 10 years of the podcast and a legacy. It's a beautiful embroidered. We picked out good sweatshirts. We were like, don't get those cheap ones that like pill. Get the good ones that are like soft. So we got a Bella Canvas t-shirt that you're going to mm. die for. It's so good. So go to knoxandjamie.com slash live. Get your merch. You have until July 7th. That is a hard deadline. There is no wiggle room. We actually got the wiggle room, and that is to July 7th. So that's when you have to order. I'm Jamie Golden. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jamie B. Golden. I'm Knox McCoy. You can find me on the socials at Knox McCoy. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.